Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. All right, Marvel fans, it is finally time for our newest show, Ms. Marvel premiered this week. So, of course, we're going to be breaking down episode one, all of the things, all the Easter eggs, all the little hints, and uh, we're going to answer one of the questions we had from a previous episode all the way, well, all the way, it was like a month ago, but relating back to Multiverse of Madness. So we're going to dive in headfirst, starting with Katie. What did you think of the episode? Immediately, I don't know if anybody here watches Euphoria, but if you know um, the line where they sit there and they're like, is this bleep word or play about us? That's how I felt. <laughs> as soon as I started watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this was me five years ago when I was 16 and in high school. I felt that way a lot of different places. So first of all, I too almost got Okay, I don't want to say I almost got an accident, but I definitely almost pulled out on someone during my driver's test. So I related very much to Kamala, Kamala, sorry, uh, vice president, to Kamala during that scene as well. Though, again, I did not get an accident. I did, in fact, pass my driver's test and I do have a license. So go me. But yeah, that was very relatable. And also just her fandomness, like, her room looks a little bit like my room in the sense that, like, I have a corner. It's dedicated very much to Marvel and Star Wars, and it's got all my, like, nerd things. Eventually, you guys will, I'm sure, see what our rooms look like, and you'll get to see all of the decals. And so I was very much relating to Kamala in that sense as well, and, like, the idea of going to Avengers Con. Like, Katie, if that existed in our world... We 100% would be there. We would bike there if we had Taylor, to. Taylor, it does. It's just called Comic-Con. <laughs> well, right. Of course. And we've, we're definitely trying to get in there, too. So, like, I literally would walk to California if I had to to go to Comic-Con. So I was very much relating to her in that sense as well. Yeah, I just immediately was like, oh... Yeah, I know. You know what really got me was her YouTube channel. Because I'm <laughs> sitting here, true. I was like, oh my god, I have to record the podcast tonight. As she's doing this, I was like, you couldn't have pinned me more than in this moment. Yeah, I have to say, like, to your point, like, right off the bat, I think she's one of the most relatable. Like, I think she's very much like Peter Parker in that way, and that they're so unabashed, and they're like, fandomness and like i really enjoy that because it's so nice to like see a character who's also a fan and even you know knowing iman is such a fan that you know she is really us just she you know gets to play one of the characters that she enjoys so much on tv is like pretty awesome so she's very cool the character is very cool and i enjoy the relatable aspect a lot yeah and honestly and i and you bring up peter and i actually think the difference between her and peter and this is just to how marvel decided to do him but because we get that origin story we get to really see it a lot more um, I think that's one of the downsides to him not really having his origin story in the MCU is that we didn't really get to see 
who he was prior to being Spider-Man. Yeah. Even in his first film, I mean, Tony's already in it. So I think it's really, well, and then you have Civil War, which he is really his debut. And then, I mean, that's all the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. So literally it's a little, it's a little bit more immersive and you can relate a little bit more, I think, because you're sitting there and you're, you're feeling how she feels and you're like, yes, we all have our Carol Danvers. I mean, if you saw my room, if we want to bring it up, it's, Got a wall devoted to Bucky, and then the amount of pops I have that are Bucky, Scarlet Witch, and every other favorite character I have is off the wall. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I completely have like 17 get it. Different things that are Captain America related. It's like very intense. Exactly. So I 100% understand, and I think there's just so much more of this relatableness that we didn't get because we're seeing her as just us. We're not. None of us have superpowers, although I like to think sometimes I do, but I don't, you know? And so I think it's really cool to be able to see her just be, like, living life. Or, and I can tell you, when I was 16, and Taylor can, can attest to this, the way my parents were, 100%, I related <laughs> to that entire thing, too. <laughs> so... I get it. <laughs> yeah, she, that part was very, very fun. And I think, you know, we all obviously have different experiences in high school, but I think so much of what we saw on screen today was so universal. Like the whole thing where she gets called into with by the guidance counselor and she's like, so I'm supposed to figure out my entire life right now. Like I just remember being literally a, wa I wasn't even human my junior and senior year. I was a walking ball of stress. I, I can actually confirm that. Yeah. I just, like, related to that when she's like, so I'm supposed to figure out my entire life in the next five days. I was like, we've all been there. Like, yes. Well, and I had to laugh because you bring up the counselor. And if that is not the most public school counselor that I've <laughs> ever met, just the way that he just was pretty much just like, you need to get on track. Your life needs to get put together. You need to figure everything out. And I know you're 16, but you need to be, you know, you need to pretty much have your next 10 years completely in the bag. And I just was like, yeah, that's what public school counselors out there was like, if you don't figure out your future now, your life is over. Yeah. You will end up, you know, jobless. You'll just be miserable for the rest of your life living with your parents. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but especially where we're at right now, but... <laughs> well, and they made it seem like it was, like, the end of the world, right? Yeah. You know, like, you're gonna end up living with your parents, like, ooh, cue the spooky music! Yeah, exactly. So I just, I'm sitting there laughing, because I'm just like, dude, if this is not a public school guidance counselor, I don't know what it is. I know. There is so much of our experience, I mean, at least my personal experience in that, that I was like, there's a part of me that never wanted to relive this, but at the same time, like, I appreciate that they've accurately captured, at least in my opinion, what it looks like to be, you know, 16. Yeah. I do, you mentioned her YouTube channel, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, that there's one answer to a question we had from MOM that I think we saw. Or at least we got a partial answer to because I also saw something online that kind of all brings it all together and ties it up with a neat bow, I think. When we were discussing MOM, we asked, how the heck does the world know what happened in the battle for Earth? Right? Okay, I didn't know that we brought that up during MOM, which is why when you first said it, I was very confused. But now I'm on track, okay? Okay, cool. But yeah, so we asked that question and... I was commenting, actually, on something on Twitter, and someone reminded me that in No Way Home, sorry, Far From Home, I will never stop messing those up, that 
on the plane, there's a documentary all about, you know, Tony Stark's sacrifice or whatever. I don't remember exactly what the titles are anymore, but there's one all about the battle. So that's one answer that we got. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that's a thing. Like, thank you. But at the same time, how does the information yeah. get to the documentarians, right? So it, it, like, partially answers the question, but, like, doesn't quite get all the way. Well, okay. That's what I was going to ask, because as you saw my face going, like, that still doesn't answer any question because someone had to get the info. Right. But then Kamala explicitly states in today's episode that she based a lot of her knowledge of the Battle of Earth on Scott Lang's podcast interview experiences. Yeah. And I was like, one, that's so Scott Lang, and two, go to podcasters for breaking the news. I mean, at that point, I think Marvel needs to release them. (laughs) Can you please get a Scott Lang podcast interview Marvel's, like, podcast series? I would, like, blow through them. Well, but I also have to laugh so much, because out of all of them, the fact that Scott is the one who's, like, getting his 15 minutes (laughs) is bringing me so much joy. Doesn't surprise you, though, at all? Like, everybody else was like, Cap, Iron Man, Black Widow, and they're like, who the heck is Ant-Man, this guy who's, like, literally only known in San Francisco and because he, like, got really big in Germany? Like, who is this guy? Well, he's big now. I mean, he had a literal whole, like, thing at the Avengers Con. Right! Because he went and did his podcast interviews. That's fair. So, and I'm not knocking Scott Lang at all. I just, it it's very fitting with the character to me. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And I just really enjoyed that nugget. Also, the fact that it answered a question that we've had now for two months. So I was like, okay, this, this one line alone or line and a half, whatever it was, I was like, this did a lot for me. And it felt very cathartic. So thank you. Oh, yeah. No, I... I, like, definitely laughed at that. I didn't even think about it being, like, I didn't even put together (laughs) what it was blatantly telling me. I just was laughing at the fact that he was doing it. Um, Because I could also just imagine Hope just, like, what are you doing? (laughs) I know. Just her, like, absolute judgment face, which is amazing. Awesome. So, in terms of overall thoughts, what did you think as an episode one? Like, I don't know. I thought it was a very strong episode. And now I say that with the fact that we've had some that I don't think have been as strong. And I namely say some of the more earlier shows, just because I think they were really paving the way. And so I think there there's a little bit of that disconnect and it happens. But I will say I thought it was really strong. It sort of followed the Moon Knight direction. So I really liked that where it was... We're learning the character. We're understanding him, but it's needed. Mm-hmm. And then we see them get their their power or suit up or whatever in the first episode. Because unfortunately, and this might be due to who the characters were, because we didn't need that extra background in WandaVision, Loki, or the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think it those all had slightly slower starts to them just because everything you use in the exposition, we knew already. Versus with these newer characters, these introductions, we need them. We need to know them. We need to understand their life. We need to understand who they are and what makes them tick. So I really liked it. I feel like I I understand her and I feel like I relate to her. And I don't think I would have gotten that in a different way. So I think it it was done very well. I'm kind of torn. I think I do really appreciate the context because she is Pakistani-American. I enjoyed that aspect of how they showed her relationship with her parents and and all that, those, like, very nuanced relationships that I think come from being 
she's probably a first generation, and I don't know this for a fact, but she's probably a first generation American in her family, and probably same with her brother. So there's, you know, nuances there that I thought were done really well. So I enjoyed that as as well. And kind of that conflict and setting up that conflict between who she is and who her family wants her to be and kind of those expectations. So I thought that was interesting. I did think, though, that I would have maybe preferred she got the powers a little earlier in the episode. I think that we spent a lot of time with her, getting to know her, and that's great. And I do think that there's absolutely a place for that, especially to your point with her being a new character and establishing her personality, her setting, her, you know, inner circle, all of those things. But at the same time, I thought it could have been truncated a little bit. Maybe we could have, you know, I'm not even saying we need to go further along in the story. Just maybe making the episode a little shorter, which I've never advocated for before, which is very weird. But, you know, and there's nothing against her, but just it felt like it was dragging a little. Like I kept waiting. You know, I you could make the educated guess that she's going to get her powers in episode one. And I really just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And I was like, all right, like after the first maybe 20, 25 minutes, I was like, I'm ready to kind of kick it up a notch. Like, I don't want to spend a whole episode just getting to know her when we're not, you know, kind of moving that forward. And then, of course, she got her powers at the very end. But I felt like that could have been shortened a little bit. But I am, you know, I really did enjoy the idea of, like, her getting her powers right at the end of the episode because I felt like, you know, like, when we were kids, like, the whole idea of a cliffhanger, which doesn't really exist in binge culture anymore, but, like, this is a real cliffhanger. Like, now she's got her powers, so we're going to see her start to use them and start to grow as as a hero and experiment and things like that. So it made me excited for the next episode, but I felt like the pacing was maybe a little slow in, in the beginning parts. I mean... I'm going to politely disagree. That's fine. Just for the sake of, I, I just felt it was one of those things where she is a very new character in the MCU. And even to a lot of people, I mean, she's not trying to think of like, who I, I mean, I guess Hawkeye, but he's been in the MCU. But as an example, or even She-Hulk's fairly like regular in the in the comics, same with Moon Knight. And I think because she has that inhuman background in the comics... You know, that's a completely different branch of Marvel Comics for people. So a part of me was like, I really like that we're really getting involved with her and feeling who she is and who she's going to be in the MCU, just because it made me feel more connected to the character. And it's a character I don't really follow much in the comics or in general. So, and she was, and this was actually the show I was looking forward to the least, just because I didn't know much about the character. I wasn't really looking at the show like I was excited for it, I kind of just was like, yeah, some random character they're bringing in. And then, and then they did a really good job, in my opinion, just because now I'm excited to watch it. I know her. I'm addicted to her personality. I, I'm addicted to just her and how she is. So I just think now I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, give me episode two. Instead of just kind of like, meh, I guess, well, like I have to watch episode two, but like, <laughs> meh, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely am excited. I just, personally, I needed a little bit more oomph a little earlier on. But, you know, that's just two different perspectives. You mentioned the Inhumans, and I want to go into that because it's something we talked about in our predictions episode. Obviously, we are 100% confirmed now her powers are derived from the bangle. Now, 
here's what I want to know. I went back after watching episode one and watched some of the trailers and clips that they've released in the last week because I was kind of behind. So I just kind of wanted to see if I could pick anything up now that we've seen episode one. And there is a clip, and it could be totally in relation to something else because you know how Marvel does their trailers. But there is a clip where someone says, oh, you've inherited, like, power or greatness. And that's obviously the bangle comes from a family member. So who is the family member and how did they get this bangle and the kind of power it has? Because it's clearly, as Kamala likes to say, cosmic. Well, and you could tell because her mother knows something about it. Yeah, I clocked that too. Yeah. Her mother had a very clear reaction to her pulling it out of the box. And I immediately was like, write that down, write that down. Because I didn't want to forget to bring it up. And actually, so as you were also brought up some of her powers, my brain went there and I figured that would be a great segue into it. But it's interesting because her family is Pakistani and they're not that far from where we saw Shang-Chi. And, you know, we were saying in the predictions episode that we wouldn't be surprised if there are connections. I mean, there's obviously we got some background in the rings and about the rings during Shang-Chi, but they're still kind of they're very cosmic forces. Um, And to her even saying that the bracelet is cosmic and the power that it gives her, it's starting to me to feel that there are ancient pieces of jewelry that are being passed along in familiar lines and they hold power that is greater than what we're used to on Earth. This is now the second time we're seeing it in a year. 100%. And I also, I want to discuss what you think this is because when she first puts it on and she gets her power, she goes into this, like, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, she almost falls backwards, right? And then she, like, looks like she's in another realm. What did you think that was? Because I kept trying to stare at it and, like, figure out where she was. I mean, honestly, it felt very zombie-like to me because they all had glowing eyes. And it felt very weird and uncomfortable, whatever realm she was in, because uh, it just didn't feel right. But if I want to dumb it down and say it's not a realm, it also very well could be... Obviously, we'll learn more about her power in the next episode because currently, you know, she just got it. But she clearly has... It's an energy of some sort. So I wonder if it's a way of almost being able to see the energy forces inside of people. I know that sounds kind of wild, but then no, again, but this is isn't a superhero that similar thing. to what Monica does? Well, that's what I'm saying. So when you connect her and then Carol, I kind of feel like that that makes sense. My thing was, it was kind of giving me ancestral plane from Black Panther vibes. Okay. And that maybe because it was purple and like that, you know, we see that scene with T'Chaka where they're purple and he gets to see all of his ancestors and he has that conversation with his father so maybe it was just the purple coloring but like that was the vibe that i was getting and i was like interesting like what is she seeing where is she going what is this you know see i definitely didn't get that it was a good thing oh interesting because and now actually i did it for the opposite reason you did you saw it as purple and saw thought of um the ancestral planes it wasn't the purple so much for me, but then again, hey guys, the heads up, there's the purple again. Phase four, man. Purple all over. Exactly. But it wasn't the purple for me, it was just the darkness of it. The fading into it, the way that she just comes up into it, and everything about the the beings around her are dark except their eyes. Like, things like that don't usually, to me, bode well. And I mean, when someone has glowing eyes, also doesn't usually bode well. So I definitely felt that there was a darker connotation to it. 
and that whatever it is, whatever she entered, it almost felt like them saying, we have eyes on you now. Here's a theory for you related to what you just said, but the opposite of what you just said. Okay. Well, what you said reminded me of something, but I'm going to take it in the opposite, more positive light. What if it is the souls of everyone who has worn the bangle before her? So how you were saying the idea of, like, it being passed down along familial lines, well, if she's inherited this familial power, what if then she's able to almost communicate the same way T'Challa does when he drinks the herb-shaped plant? He, she's able to kind of communicate with the people who had held the power before her. I mean, it's definitely a possibility, and I wouldn't put it as a, as something to rule out, because I do believe we can look at it in a lot of different ways. My whole thing is, the thing, and the reason I look at it negatively as well, it's cosmic, and it's from space, so Lord knows who the heck has access, or she's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like I said, we don't really have a lot of access to what her powers include at the moment, but, I mean, if she had, like, look at, you know, America Chavez, for example. She is sitting here and she has the ability to make portals throughout multiverses. What if one of Kamala's things are, you know, she can also maybe move around, maybe not in the multiverse, but move around. Or in the quantum realm. Well, exactly. So I'm wondering if she entered something that she's not yet aware of that she's allowed to enter now that she has the powers. But I did want to bring this up since we're talking about it. Now, does the bracelet give her powers, or does she now have powers? That's a real question, because I was trying to think, is there a way to still tie her into the Inhumans to make it so that the bracelet is not a non-starter in terms of terrogenesis? What if it's infused with terrogen mist? You know, like, I was thinking about that. Like, what if it is not necessarily what bestows the power, but kind of awakens the latent power already within someone. And that kind of goes back to that quote that I said from one of the trailers was like, you've inherited something like powerful or great. I don't remember exactly what the adjective was, but that can be taken two ways. That can be taken as you've inherited the power or you've inherited the key to the power and through your genes, you were able to really harness it that maybe not every member of your familial line was able to access. Yeah, I just was really thrown off because every time we saw her so far utilizing the power, she had the bracelet on. Yeah. And I will say, and I'm going to put it out there now, I'm going to really dislike if she only has the power from the bracelet. I was thinking the same thing. I think, one, it's limiting, and two, it makes her very weak in the sense that, like, all a bad guy has to do is take it off and she's completely neutralized. Well, and it doesn't make her a unique individual anymore. Correct. Because if we think about all of our superheroes that we have, they are all unique individuals. Even down to Natasha and Clint, who are just S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. When you really boil it all down, they're just, like, really, really good. <laughs> yeah. But they're special for that reason. They're really good at what they're doing. Versus... If for her it's just this bracelet, I mean, to your point, not even with the bad guys, but nothing stops anyone from taking it off of her, and now they have the same power. Exactly. Now it's no longer Kamala that's the important person, it's just whoever has the bracelet. Right, which is why I think, I have to think that it is something genetic, perhaps, like, that it chooses someone within her family on which to bestow the powers. Well, I have a wild theory. Go for it. We love those. Oh, and it's it's a wild one. I promise you that. Oh, God. 
So I know we talked about how we weren't sure where they were going to possibly take her because of the Inhumans and how Marvel vehemently just avoids. <laughs> Up until MOM, yes. Yeah, but even then, you know. Well, we have no confirmation that there's, you know, any Inhumans in our universe yet, but we do know that they exist out there and we're still aware that the multiverse is a very open threat that we will be seeing further down the road. So I almost wonder, is it a band-aid for the time being? Until she goes through Terragenesis? Yeah. And maybe whatever happens during Terragenesis, if she, especially if she's wearing the bracelet, she's able to, that's how she gets that type of power. She gets the power that is from the bracelet, but she will no longer need the bracelet. So I wonder if it's that band-aid until Marvel's ready to make the commitment to the Inhumans again. No, I could, that totally makes a lot of sense. And I don't even think that's that wild. I think I could see it being like mechanism-wise, the idea that it's like almost like a mini terogenesis every time she puts it on. Like it's enough mist to like change her and give her the powers, but not enough to fully take her from human to inhuman. Well, I guess technically you're always an inhuman, but like fully go through the terogenesis. I will say the rumor mill has been buzzing in relation to Daisy Johnson, aka Quake from Agents of Shield, who up until MOM was probably the most, yeah, I would say the most famous inhuman, inhuman show aside, the most famous inhuman in a Marvel property. Again, we don't know at this point exactly what universe Agents of Shield exists within, but there are rumors that she's going to be in Secret Invasion. I've seen those. Yeah, so whether she exists as Quake or whether she exists as Daisy Johnson, meaning she has or has not gone through Terragenesis, is TBD. But we do know bringing that character back would be a very strong indicator that they're willing to take those inhuman lines, storylines, and bring them to life. And so I think that lends a lot of credence to your idea that, like, for now we're going to use Kamala with the bracelet, but come, you know, full-on terogenesis, she's going to have her powers the way that she should, meaning the way that she has them in the comics. Yeah, I just see it as... And because so far we haven't seen her without the bracelet using the powers, this could get changed in a week's time because, you know, when we actually see her, who knows? But I do think it's a possibility because I don't think, especially bringing her in, and I know we said, you know, if they keep her really with Captain Marvel and Monica and all that, that's fine, but I do think bringing her in as a fairly well-known and human, I think it's a little weird to not have that any part of her storyline. 100% agree. Yeah. Now, I want to just bring up briefly, nothing nothing that important, but I do want to bring up Camp Lehigh made an appearance. Uh, I know. When I heard that that's where they were going to be in this show, I was like, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. I also had a lot of thoughts. One, because I was like, oh, that's a little weird. But, like, go off. But my other thing being, they blew half of that up in The Winter Soldier. I literally just thought of that because I was like, oh, you haven't seen it since the first Avenger. And then I was like, no, that's where Zola was chilling. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, um, <laughs> I just thought it was a weird location to have chosen. And granted, you know, Jersey's becoming the hot spot, but... I just thought it was a little bit weird to just be like, let's have the Avengers Con at Camp Lehigh. I get it's where, you know, Captain Rogers initially was training, but it still didn't quite sit right. Actually, and Bucky. Bucky went through Camp Lehigh just earlier than him. Right. And 
my thing was like, and maybe this is just because I live in New York and I'm biased, but I was like, why was it not in New York? Like, Battle of New York. That's where they all came together. That's where the plaque is. That's where former Stark Tower was. And obviously we know it's not Stark Tower anymore. TBD on who actually owns it. But there's so much there in terms of history. Like, I was actually very surprised they didn't do New York. Now, knowing that being from Jersey City is a really big part of Kamala's identity, I think it does make sense then to pick the next or the most famous, other than Westview, because nobody wants to think about Westview, but the most famous New Jersey location in our MCU so far in order to place it. So she doesn't have to go to the overly crowded New York scene where we've already got Kate Bishop, Peter Parker, yada yada, the whole list we've named a thousand times. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I just more so, I just assumed they'd have it at, like, a convention center. I didn't think they'd have it at, like, Camp Lehigh. I didn't even think they'd go to New York City. I just thought they'd be, you know, at the closest convention center in Jersey. I didn't think they'd be like, oh, let's uh, open up Camp Lehigh now for... On Avengers Con. <laughs> it just felt a little weird, in my opinion. I don't, I can't explain why, but it did. It just felt weird. <laughs> I wasn't super weirded out by it. I just was like, because I, I actually did, someone had said that we were going to be there before, so I was kind of not, I was not surprised for that reason. But I don't know. It was, it was kind of nice in a way, too, because like she's such a fan to like tie her to the OGs because she loves the... I mean, obviously, Captain Marvel is her girl and like she is not an OG, but at the same time, you like get this sense that like she really freaking loves the Avengers and like that includes the OGs, so I kind of liked tying her back to them a little bit in that way, too. So I, I really didn't mind the whole Camp Lehigh thing, but I do really, really, really want to talk about the fact that we had an end credit scene in an episode one. <gasps> and it was such a big one, too. It was so important. And I had to look it up later because I knew it was really important. And I was like, I'm missing you something You didn't put here. together why it was important? I knew it was important, but I, like, didn't... I didn't understand what government entity it was until I looked it up afterwards. For anybody who was like me, it was the Department of Damage Control. And then, when I further read down the article... It was explained to me that the man in the room, the man who was shown the video of Kamala, is the same one, and then I remembered it later, who interviewed Ned and Peter in No Way Home. Caitlin, you are raising your hand. Yeah. I just want to say, that was the first thing I picked up on. Immediately, I was like, I know this man. I know this man. And then I was like, oh my god, it's the guy from Spider-Man. And so immediately, my brain ran with this, right? Because I was like, this is huge. This is major. Because this just tied this entire thing to Spider-Man. Yep. Which, if you've been anywhere on Twitter lately, you know that Iman has been saying she would love to work and combine her story with Spider-Man at some point down the road. So, for one, but two, clearly my guy is sus. So now that opens a completely other door for me. We went into this show with predictions that could be Kree, could be Scroll. He still could be either, but I do think he's one of them now. I feel that the with the way the camera was turning to him when the lady walked away from him and everything, he does not sit right with me. And that being said, now we have to see how that interacts with Spider-Man, because he was in there. This is a reoccurring character that now might have darker ties than we thought. Here's my question. Are we getting Sitwell 2.0? Mm. Like, I'm not saying he's Hydra, but the same kind of idea, right? You're like, 
who's this nameless agent? Who's this nameless agent who shows up in Thor, who shows up in, you know, then he's in the Avengers and then he's in Winter Soldier. But still, we kept seeing his face over and over and over again. So that makes me wonder, and you know how on this podcast, Katie and I are very wary of governmental organizations, because if the MCU has taught us anything, it's that the government is not to be trusted. And so now I'm like, Department of Damage Control. We saw them in Spider-Man, the homecoming. We saw them in No Way Home. We, I don't, I think those are the only two places we've seen them so far, but now we're seeing them in Ms. Marvel. And now I'm like, are you corrupt? How far back does your corruption go? How deep does your corruption run? Think about it this way. If the Falcon, sorry, not the Falcon, the Vulture, I'm not good with birds. If the Vulture is out here doing things with alien technology and making weapons, what is the Department of Damage Control that thought that they got all of the alien tech from him doing with all of that tech and that potential weapon? So that's what I want to know. If they're corrupt, now that they're in Miss Marvel, I 100% don't think that they're corrupt for that, for the human reason. I genuinely now have to assume they're either Skrulls or Kree. Just because it would make, it makes less sense to tie her in with Spider-Man right now than it does to tie her in with Miss Marvel. She's Miss Marvel with <laughs> Captain Marvel and Monica, right. who both now have the connection to the scrolls, and Captain Marvel has the Cree connection. Clearly, we cannot trust this dude. Doesn't mean we can't trust the department yet, but he is clearly a no go. And immediately, he's like, "We need to check her out." Yeah, like we need to. That to me is also already like a okay. Because think about it this way: what else did that was the big thing that affect them in uh no way home it was the drones what did they take the drones they took the drones they took all the alien tech from homecoming well technically it was from avengers the first one yeah and now they're going after a mom or not a mom <laughs> kamala who could have other technology that he's aware of on his end if he is this could be going to my whole theory that she sends out a signal of some sort that bracelet could very much be something people are looking for and she set out that signal of being like, hey, here I am. Well, and I don't think, now that you've mentioned, now that we've both kind of mentioned tech, I don't think it's an accident that Bruno is so established as, like, I don't want to say the next Tony Stark, but he's incredibly intelligent, right? Yeah. Very good with machines, very good with technology. Now you have the best friend who's an engineer, or, like, you know, got an engineering-type brain. You've got this organization that in my personal opinion i think they have to be run by scrolls because kree don't disguise themselves so if he's gonna pass for human he pretty much has to be a scroll so now you have in my head potentially a group of scrolls running this organization collecting technology collecting the materials to make weapons are they planning you know the scrolls are bad guys in the comics right now they're considered you know kind of refugees and bad guys and really the the victims but are they getting ready for their own offensive against the kree and maybe the earth is going to get caught in the crossfire you know we don't we don't know i personally don't really know that much about what uh the marvels is going to be about so that could very well be leading right into the plot of the marvels i just i don't think anybody really knows there's not a lot out there on that right now i don't necessarily disagree with you on that point but i do want to just argue that some kree could still be human 
or human looking. Um, I mean, look at, and I don't remember his name, but Jude Law's character who oh, ended shoot, up being the bad guy. Him. Look at even, I mean, Captain Marvel is Cree. She's like born a human though. Like, yes, she has Cree yes. blood, but it's only because but of the transfusion. But that isn't to say that that hasn't happened before. And there are other alien races that do look human. Actually, you know what? That's how they save Coulson in, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because well, obviously exactly. we see Coulson get shot. But what you see then on the backside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually a really cool thing because he thinks he was just saved, you know, by regular medicine. Turns out Fury, like, actually saved him from the brink of death by infusing Kree blood into him, which he's, if my memory serves, is not super thrilled about. But so that's actually been done before, not necessarily potentially on our Earth, depending on where you sit on the whole AOS world thing, but... Just pointing that out, it's been done. Uh, besides Captain Marvel. Well, exactly. So, even taking that out, you, it's been done to Captain Marvel, and that is in our MCU for sure. And Jude Law's character, who, once again, I don't remember his name because I've only seen the movie twice. Marvel. <laughs> I think it's like Marvel. I didn't think he was Marvel. I thought that the lady, the flight lady was. The flight lady? Her, like, person. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, I, I think remember. she was Marvel. Well, because it's confusing because there's Captain Marvel in many iterations, and then there's Marvel, and I'm like, can we just like not use the plan? I know we have Marvel, and I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but he clearly also he's Cree, so there is the possibility. And I mean, if they're trying to infiltrate places, you send who looks the part. Yeah, I guess I just I sometimes forget that they don't all look like Ronan the Accuser. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's and that's why I said I don't necessarily disagree with your that it could be scrolls because I've been saying since for the predictions episode, you know, I'm expecting Kree or scrolls, and I wouldn't be surprised if we finally got that narrative that the scrolls maybe are turning the table because that makes sense. Secret invasions coming up, and this is what we talked about in the predictions episode, so I don't need to go all over that again. So I'm totally for that theory, too. But I do just want to argue the fact that not all Kree necessarily look like Ronan. <laughs> yeah, that's something I sometimes forget. But that's a definitely a good call out for sure. All right. Well, I am fresh out of hot takes on Ms. Marvel Episode 1. I do want to just quickly say I will not be here with you guys next week. I have a conflict and can't record. Of course, I'll be watching the show because I'm pumped and I have to record Episode 3 in two weeks anyway. So you'll be in good hands next week. Davis is going to step back in. But before we close out this episode, any last parting thoughts, Katie? I don't think so. I, the only thing I just want to bring up just for the sake of it is, and I, re I forgot to bring it up when you said that Ant-Man clearly was telling his stories on the podcast. My guy totally talked about America's butt. I saw it with the card. With the card. I, yeah. And I was like, he really went on a podcast and was like, yup. I told him that it is America's butt. <laughs> yes, he did. I When I saw that, especially after I had clocked the, the podcast Scott thing, I was like, so not only did Scott talk about this battle, but he, one, talked of Captain Marvel and what a baddie she was and how she came in and saved everybody. And two, he totally talked about Steve's butt and how amazing it is. And honestly, Scott, the world thanks you for that. I just want to put that out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they literally had memorabilia. so. Just had to mention that. I want one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Christmas is always, you know, a few months away. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to call it a wrap 
on Ms. Marvel episode one. If you guys have been enjoying our show, but you haven't yet subscribed, you can do that on your podcast platform of choice. If you're already a subscriber and you would just like to let us know that you enjoy the show, feel free to leave a rating or review. We love to see those. Helps us know that we're doing a good job for you guys. You can also check out our blog where we have supplemental content and blogs that relate to each and every episode of the podcast. Last but not least, you should check out our Spotify playlist. I'm sorry, our Spotify page, which has playlists for each of the different shows. One playlist for all of our coverage of the different movies. And last but not least, a very long, I think it's like five hour playlist of every song that you can find in the MCU that's available on Spotify. And obviously, make sure you're following our Twitter at Let's Talk MFT. Everything you need for any relation to us or Marvel News is coming on there. So definitely just make sure you're following it and you get everything you need as far as blogs, podcasts. Any rumors, any theories, anything we come across, even memes. So everything's there. I promise you that. So within the next week, we'll be covering and continuing to cover, of course, Miss Marvel as it debuts. But of course, don't forget, we also have Thor Love and Thunder coming out for us the day we're recording. It's actually a month away, so it'll be a little bit less than a month by the time you're listening to this. So Keep that in the back of your mind. We have a little bit of an overlap going on again, but we will be covering that as well. So everybody get ready. It's another big, I would say, six weeks. So get ready. Keep up because lots of content is coming your way as Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it. (laughs) 